Yeah, you know what's funny is that there's a lot of CISOs out there that are only focused on enterprise security and not even not are not plugged into the product itself, uh, and don't even know how the product product works. Like that's like mind boggling. You know, don't they don't even know how the product is working. So I love product security personally. Um, I think now in the field, it's changing from AppSec security to be called product security. I'm, I'm, I'm noticing that out there. So it's interesting. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, president and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Eamon Elsawa, who, like me these days, is a fractional CISO and a founder of his own security company. So he has done the fractional CISO thing many times now, more than I have. Uh, He's also been a professor. He's been a security consultant. Uh, He has done some cloud-specific security consultancy. Uh, His tenure includes, just to shout out some of these companies here that you've heard of, eBay, NCC Group, JustWorks, Masterclass, uh, Eamon is talking with me today about cybersecurity uh, teams, uh, how they can integrate themselves with the rest of the business. So, Eamon, thank you for coming on down to the ranch. Alan, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, it's a long time coming and uh, uh, honored to be here. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, man. That's 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 awesome to hear. You've got your own show, and we're going to talk about that later on, too. Uh, for those who don't know, Eamon's got a podcast and all kinds of other cool stuff going on. I'm going to let him tell you about that as we progress with this show. Um, but let's dive in here. Let's talk a little bit about this. You know, we talk about the role of the CISO, right? And, and people always talk about CISO as business enabler. Now, I have a mentor, a gentleman named Scott McCool. He's my former boss and CIO when I was at Polycom years and years ago. We've stayed in touch over all these years. And he was, he was talking to me one time about this idea that business enablement is not the right phrase. He says, your job is not to enable the business. Your job is to be the business, right? Mm, interesting. There's, a, there's an interesting distinction there because enablement still says you're kind of off to the sidelines of whatever that business actually is. And being the business puts you right in the thick of it, right? So that means that the CISO is now part of the process. You're in there with the sleeves rolled up alongside the CRO, the CMO, the CFO, the CEO, the COO, et cetera, et cetera. So, so this idea that we really want to do more than enable, we want to be, Right. Now, you and I specifically have had a conversation about B2B and the fact that in B2B, I think it's a lot easier to be the business in a B2B context than it is in a B2C context where it's business to consumer. For those who don't know, business to business, business to consumer is what those stand for. So so what are three things you think a CISO can do in this B2B context, you know, at a minimum to enable the business and, and even better to be a part of the business? Give me your Give me your top three tips for enabling and or being the business in a B2B context. Well, you know, I, I think before even having the conversation, we want to make sure that the the CISO in a B two B context, in order for them to be able to enable the business, needs to be set up right to do that. Right? If they're, it, you know, organizationally, if if in a in the position in their company, if they're somewhere really far in the totem pole and they're kind of forced to do checkbox security, right, versus real security, right, or whatnot, then you know, it's it's a non-starter. So we can't even get there. So let's just put that out there. Like, let's make sure the CISO is in the right position to do their job, right? Now, um, how can they uh, enable the business? Well, there's, I mean, in a B2B context, what you're trying to do, it depends on the stage of the company, okay? If you're, you know, early, or, you know, series A, B, you're trying to get enterprise clients and, and 
un, you know, for better or for worse, management just wants revenue and logos, right? They don't really care about security that much. Um, but then you could go to the other side of the spectrum where like you're B2B and you're handling really sensitive data and you're entrusted to do. Maybe you're an identity company. Maybe you're a, a, a PEO, right? You're handling sensitive information by default, by the nature of the business. They trust you to do the right thing from a security perspective, right? So there's a, a big spectrum. Um, so that's a, a, a big preface to your question. Uh, you know, and it has to be said because, there, you know, it, it, there's no one size fits all. Uh, it, oh, it's super important to bring up that context. You know, some of the CISO forums that I'm a part of, I was actually having a chat with another fellow who's the former CISO of a huge organization. And he was telling me that he had um, a moment where somebody asked a question from that big organization perspective. And one of the startup CISOs jumped in and gave exactly startup CISO advice. And he was like, dude, like stop and think about where you are on the spectrum of size before you just go dispensing advice. Like somebody asked me about YubiKeys, how easy are they to distribute to everybody? And I was like, well, at that <laughs> startup with 15 people I was at, it was a no brainer. We used YubiKeys. I don't know that I would do that with 50,000 employees. <laughs> you know? and, and, and mind you, they need two keys, right? They need two keys per person, right? Just in case, or at least some sort of virtual. And then what's the recovery process for the YubiKey? Oh my God, don't get me started. Like, have you thought about like, what if they lose the YubiKey? What's the break glass scenario? Are you are you circumventing everything by like, oh, just call the help desk. Oh, we'll give you your MFA code. Uh, you know, hint, hint, did that happen uh, last year? Uh, anyway, so uh, big, big, big company. Uh, All right, so, so we agree times. context matters, size of company matters, but but give me some good B2B examples here. Yeah, yeah. So one, uh, so my approach, uh, I've, I've, uh, I haven't patented this, but it's called taking the offensive on security. So, you know, instead of being reactive, take the offensive. So, uh, set up a good security page. Just simple things, right? These are simple things. Set up a security page. Do you even have a security at at the, at, at the company, right? A lot of times if I find a, a bug or a security issue at a company, I'm going to email security at. That's going to show me that you have that you have some good some good security maturity at the company. Uh, obviously, have good security at the company, right? So build the security culture. Now, so you're at if you're at the table, you're at the table with the, with the execs and you need to have a good security culture. People need to be aware. Uh, we want to be in a less reactive state from a security perspective. So what does security culture mean? So one example, uh, here's a measure of good security culture. People are coming to you to bolt on security in their products before, and, and they're not saying, hey, we shipped it yesterday, or you're not finding out like too late, right? So that's a measure of good security. You're finding out before things ship, like you're finding out early on in the ideation stage, right? Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Da, 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 da. That's when you know you're winning the cultural fight. Sure. I, exactly. And then so a practical thing is like, okay, so they're coming to you. Now, how are you enabling the business? Well, let's say, for example, I mean, even simple things like UI UX, right? Um, how can you disable the business? Well, by putting in bad security controls that mess up, like you don't have the UI UX mindset, right? You're like, oh, you do some sort of like weird security fandangle thing. And it, it, it's a bad experience for the user. So, you know, understand good experience from user perspective. Anyway, I digress. So uh, another thing is say you have an admin panel, right? Making sure you have good roles, right? Making, have the customer be able to set up at least, you know, four or five roles. There's, you know, a handful of roles that you could set up. Admin, power user, uh, read-only user, et cetera. And, or even allowing them to create roles. Like, let's find out, do our customers want custom roles in our application, Right. Simple things that helps enable business and maybe even drive revenue and and have customers renew with you, right? Year, year after year. So um, 
you know, going past just trying to pass the security check from enterprise clients, right? Um, I have a whole checklist, you know, have an audit log, uh, make sure you have a security web page, um, blah, 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 all, all these kind of things. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but like those are three high level things, you know, take the offensive, understand the user, understand the business. You can't enable the business you don't understand. Right. Yes. Yes. That is so super critical. And I think so many of us um, start off anyway, like I'm not going to accuse seasoned CISOs of doing this, but certainly a first time CISO is going to walk into the room and have this like security matters, security matters, security matters, security matters mindset and 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 not stop and, and read the room on, well, what are all the other things that matter? Security does matter. Yes, security matters. That's why we're all here. It does matter. What else matters? And, and go learn their perspectives and learn what they do and live, you know, the old, what is it, walk a mile in their shoes, right? Like, CRO has a whole yeah. different set of concerns than you do. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And that's, and that's where understanding startup culture is really important. So, uh, you know, you might come, and you know, I didn't understand this. Early in my career, I would apply for startups and I had a lot of enterprise experience. And, and people would tell me, oh, we don't think you're a fit. You don't have startup experience. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like startup, this is like, you know, a quarter of the work I do for for an enterprise, but now I get it. I get it because in a startup, uh, you know, in a startup world, it it's about like what needs to be done today and what can be done tomorrow, and so you need to speak that language. Like what needs to be done today, and if you're, and then also you need to like also. I mean, it takes like some self awareness. I talk about emotional intelligence a lot, but people don't understand this, so I'm going to talk about different components, and one of them is being self aware. So you come into a place, they have let's say a small shop has 100 users, even let's even say 200 users. You're like, we need SSO without even understanding, you know, why you need it. Now, I agree. SSO is really important, whatnot. But like if this business is, business is struggling to even like break even, because right now, right, money's not cheap anymore. And so no longer can you just grow, grow, grow. You need to like break even and and, and be profitable. So and you come in and you say, I want this, this, and this whole huge security budget. And it's really clueless of their reality and not really tied to their threat model. You're going to, you're going to get fired. Like it's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's not really being plugged in. So be more, be self-aware, understand where that business is that day, that week, right? That quarter. And then, uh, figure out also, you got to have some creativity, right? Insecurity. We talk about, we have workarounds, right? So that's the difference between checkbox security and real security. Checkbox security is like doing 2FA for 2FA sake. But what if there's another way, uh, you know, context-aware security logins and this and that or passwordless or whatnot that can achieve the same goal or even close to it. And then with a couple workarounds, you're good, right? So yeah. finding that balance. That's, that's an interesting distinction. The presence or absence of workarounds is kind of a, a big distinguisher between you know, checkbox and reality security. That's, that's a, that's a good little, I love that. That's a nice little indicator. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's an indicator of security at iOS. We'll call it. Um, yeah. oh, I like that's that. awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I O R S indicator of real security. Indicator um, of security. I like that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, products and services. Um, and, and again, I think we should talk about it from this context because you and I have both done big and we both done startup, right? So let's, let's bounce context as we have this conversation. Uh, companies, products, and services, right? Like one, one of the, you know, in a startup, I think it's super easy for the CISO to be involved in products and services because inevitably somebody wants to know about the security of it and you just dive in and start, you know, it's like, you're there, you're there for the sales cycle in a startup has been my experience. Uh, 
Um, but then we have enterprise, right? Like, like what else? So, so, and, and, and there's other things besides sales where you can be directly influencing products and services. So what are some, what are some notions you've got in that space? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that there's a lot of CISOs out there that are only focused on enterprise security and not even not, are not plugged into the product itself. Uh, and don't even know how the product product works. Like that's like mind boggling. You know, don't they don't even know how the product is working. So I love product security personally. Um, I think now in the field it's changing from AppSec security to be called product security. I'm 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 noticing that out there. So it's interesting. And it's interesting because to me, product security was always a, a superset distinction that involved more than just web apps. And then AppSec kind of grew out of that web application and now they've kind of remerged to your point. Um, I, I, I've probably never told you this, but I actually grew up in product security. Oh, I, nice. I went from an IT career to a product security career to CISO where I ultimately fused the two disciplines, but I did product security at Polycom for 10 years. I built that program from the ground up and you want to talk about like being the business, like when you are directly involved in hyper secure product lines Security features for all product lines, federal, et cetera, et cetera. Like I grew up in product security and all of my notions about being the business and enabling the business and all that good stuff we talk about, like it all comes from, I really was the business. Um, I, I was, I was part and parcel. Wow. So like encrypting SIP lines and like even hardware security of, of like devices and bypassing firmware. Yep. Wow. Picture the uh, the the boardroom system that's plugged in and using H three twenty three or SIP or you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You got to you got to harden that product. There's a UX challenge there. There's a hardware security challenge there. There's the OS that it runs on. There's the application internal to the system. Uh, there's the interface to the other greater ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, product security to me is a superset of AppSec, um, and and that's kind of that's kind of where I came from. So it's easy for me to regale people with stories of, you know, back when I was product security. Right. But, but to your point, there's plenty of CISOs that have never done the product security thing. So how do you get that foot in the door? How do you, how do you get more aligned with products and services as a CISO who didn't happen to have the benefit of growing up on the engineering side of the house? Right. You know, um, uh, lately, I guess, well, I don't know lately, but in the, in the last, you know, half of my career, I learned about product management. And it was very interesting when I picked up this one book, uh, the Lean the Lean Product Playbook, I believe is the name of it. And as an engineer my whole life, it was a really different way of thinking because I'm always solution-oriented first. Let me create the solution. But from a product mindset, you have to figure out what the problem is first. So understand the problem. Does it exist? And then, and then figure out a solution. But uh, as an engineer our whole lives, we come up, with solutions and same thing in, in the security world. Okay, here's a solution. So let's figure out the problem first. What's the problem case? What's the you know user experience? All that kind of stuff. And so uh, how can we be the business for product is one, adopting the mindset, right? Just like, just like um, we're trying to teach people security language, we have to teach ourselves, obviously the business language, right? That's been talked about ad nauseum everywhere. But nobody ever talks about like product management language right and it comes back to the prioritization because with a startup prioritization is key like all they want to know all leadership wants to know is what do we need to do now and what do we need to do tomorrow like they will punt uh you know a project a security project as long as possible unless there's a a, a bit you know a need like a revenue generating or uh a, a, a profit loss prevention kind of thing right yep yep yeah, this this ties directly into your read the room theory that what's the problem statement? Don't just waltz in with a solution. What's the problem? Howdy, y'all. Alan Alford here to tell you about Alan Alford Consulting. 
After being a CISO five times, I decided to launch my own cybersecurity consulting practice. My cybersecurity career has spanned companies ranging from five to 50,000 employees, with revenues ranging from $2 million on up to $10 billion. I have worked in the cybersecurity industry itself, telecommunications, manufacturing, education, legal, data services, defense contracting, and for a number of SaaS providers as well. What I can do for your organization is to help you better manage, measure, report on, and more importantly, execute on your cybersecurity program. I have helped clients employ cybersecurity frameworks, conduct maturity assessments, develop board reports, and even to draft comprehensive three-year plans with budget and headcount projection to meet compliance and maturity goals. I can help you with anything from an assessment to comprehensive execution. I also offer retainer packages. Find out more at allenalford.com. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D.com. And so you could find, um, you know, talk to customer service. How can you be there? Like, find out what customer service is dealing with. I love taking a look at, no, everybody neglects customer service. Having coffee with some CS reps. Like one time I had coffee with a CS rep. And I found out that they're handling uh, driver's licenses, passports, like certain IDs that were like edge cases. And I'm like, wait, what? And these were edge cases in like, you know, some sort of tax ex- exemption like thing, right? Um, and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, well, all that stuff is sitting in our like Zendesk or whatever, maybe, you know, at the time, uh, Jira tickets. And I'm like, okay. And, but that only came up when I just talked to different people, right? Um, same thing in, in product, um, you know, like I tried one product out myself and I'm like, oh, I wonder what a password reset would look like. Or I wonder what, you know, I noticed that like, you know, even in the login, it wouldn't, it didn't, um, I had to create some weird password or one. I'm like, why didn't it just, just send me an email? Oh, did it confirm my email? Well, what if I'm, you know, some random user, uh, and it's not going to confirm my email and I, you know, take out, you know, whatever maybe. Um, down to like, say, bank transactions, what are we using for transfers? Uh, how are we verifying users, right? When a user calls, um, do we ask them like three basic basic questions? Well, one, that's very rudimentary. Two, they might forget it. And three, can we can we use some sort of technological way to both improve the process and make us more secure, right? Imagine the biggest win for a CISO uh, from a business perspective is if they make something more secure and uh, uh, ease the case for users, employees, whatever it may be. Like that's a win-win right there. The, uh, the, the killer example of that is, you know, a, a unified SSO approach to the myriad apps that are running around the shop. If you can, if you can give people a clean, simple, clicky, click, click, boom, and you're in and don't have to memorize 18 passwords and don't have to type things. And at the same time, you're more secure, you're more centralized, you've got more control, you know, classic win-win. The UX has improved. The security has improved. Classic win-win. And, you know, the help desk and customer folks, like, you know, we, we agreed. We, did, we talked B2B at the beginning of the show. But it's interesting. Melanie Ensign, um, I, I did a panel with her, really smart lady. And she was talking in a B2C context, one of the best ways she knew of to um, improve the business was reducing those help desk tickets. And that's exactly what you just spoke to here, that you've got customer service folks that are stuck <laughs> with repetitive stuff. Like it becomes a running gag in their, in their shop to a certain extent that it's like, Oh yeah, I just got my 18,000th call about this one problem. We've all known about forever in the product that engineering and product management still haven't deigned to fix. And here we are. And well, if that's a security problem, you just took a huge load off. Of yeah. That. Anything you could do to reduce tickets, uh, it could be as simple as the password reset flow, right? 
to, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I remember one flow required some, and only an admin can make these changes. But I'm like, well, what if we create a, a power user user so that they can delegate? I mean, the CEO, a good CEO knows how to delegate, right? So if your customer is like a CEO, you know, and, and so they're, they're not going to want to do everything. So they want to delegate someone. So what if you could create a role such that they, you know, they could, their assistant can do X, Y, Z, but not necessarily, you know, uh, break everything. Right, right, right. Name, name a name a CEO whose uh, executive admin does not have access to their calendar in their inbox. Right, like, yeah, it's that it's that same paradigm. Don't don't sell a product at a CEO that doesn't assume that relationship is already on the table. Right, that's mm-hmm. good. That's mm-hmm. smart. And and that reduction of help desk tickets. That's a B two B or a B two C proposition. Either one of those works. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask it. You know, name name it name a CEO that doesn't that their admin doesn't have their uh, password on a sticky note somewhere. So <laughs> that's probably true too. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, that's probably true too. <laughs> I've seen that too. Yeah, we've seen we've all seen that yes, too many have. times. And and then there's the CEO underneath with the, the keyboard, right? The CEO with the super easy password. That I'm like, dude, you're the CEO of all the people in this company who yeah. need to put up with a painful password. It's you. Either that or let's get you yeah. passwordless, right? Um, to your, to, or a spreadsheet with the passwords all over. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Just print that up and yeah. tack it to the bulletin board. You're good to go. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's my password vault. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's pivot a little bit. We've talked about the human element and all this in terms of like the UX, the UX for the customer, the UX for the uh, the user in the shop, the enterprise, you know, employee. We've talked about um, the customer service reps. We've talked about enabling sales. We've talked about product managers. We've, we've talked a little bit about the human side of all of those. What about the human relationships to be successful in doing this? If you want to be the business as the CISO, like, you can't just, you know, we, we, we alluded to it. You can't just waltz into the room and be pounding your chest and shouting security, security, security. But, but what should you be doing relationship-wise? Like I said, you know, just meeting people. So, you know, you, know, you want to be approachable. So let's, you know, let's talk about what you could do for yourself, like self-person, right? Uh, be approachable. Don't be that curmudgeon, right? I have this thing that I'm, you know, I'm the anti-curmudgeon. But, but there's a lot of curmudgeons out there that are like, you know, not approachable. Some people are scared to go to you, right? So be approachable. Have an open door, desk, Zoom, whatever you know thing is uh, policy. Um, so there's a lot of things you could take care of yourself. Uh, make it easy for people to reach you or or create a security thing, right? So these are some like basic operational stuff, like having a Slack channel for security, having an email, having you know just a way a page, like hey, because people want to do the right thing. At the end of the day, people want to do the right thing. But just they don't know where to go. And uh, so create some guides, right? Have some guides, internal guides, like a security home. And here's where we go for this and blah, blah, blah. Here's why we have to do this. And, you know, even uh, you could also go a step further and have some uh, brown bags. You could have some uh, uh, quarterly, um, quarterly uh, hop into any of the all hand meetings, for example, talk about security, make it funny. Uh, come up, you know, talk about different incidents that have happened in the industry and what we're doing to protect ourselves. You know, it's all about building that culture. And at the at the end of the day, if you know you're doing, a, you'll know if you're doing a right job when um, people are coming to you ahead of time, right? I mean, I I was lucky enough that there was an environment I was I was there for about three years, and near the end, uh, I remember someone coming in the hallway and they're like, "Hey, man, um, did you know about this project? It's, it's going live soon." I'm like, "Uh, no." No, he's like, yeah, you should probably, you know, talk to so-and-so. They're working on it. I'm like, 
oh, okay. And um, sure enough, like, so that's like sneaker net, like old, you know, like just hallway people know I was like approachable, accessible. I was around. I was probably getting coffee at the time, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it ended up in real security, right? I was able to get ahead of the project before it launched. I'm like, oh, by the way, I would not go live with this, you know, these settings. Oh, that's another thing too is, and it, you know, it's a little hard, but it's also a shift in mindset is developing guardrails and not, uh, not gatekeeping. We hear a lot about gatekeeping in general, but having the mentality of guardrails versus gatekeeping. Cause like I said before, people want to do the right thing. So, uh, and, and choosing your battle. So, you know, build a guardrail say, you know, if you're going to come up with a, if you're going to do a review and you're going to come up with a list of like five things that need to be done, See if you could order it and like this should be done or must be done. Like I'm going to I'm going to push back on this. or I'm going to give you a hard time. This is like highly recommended. I really think you should do it. And, you know, try to negotiate it. Right. And then this is like, you know, we'll do this like day two. Right. Right. Or, or if you've or already got everything else done or whatever yeah. the context might be. Yeah. 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 And so giving them options, understand the context of what is important and what's not important, because what happens, a lot of people just give them a whole list of things and like do this. And it's very overwhelming for any anybody, whether you're an engineer, customer support, product manager, CEO, you're like, what are you talking about? And so um, and also you're going to lose credibility because if you say all these are important, then it means you haven't taken the, uh, the, the time to, well, in our language, like do some sort of threat modeling and prioritization. And, and then in their language, prioritization. So our language is threat modeling. Their language is prioritization, right? So like kind of connect. Yeah, two. yeah. This is this is the beauty of a, a good breach and attack simulation program. You know, let's let's start with the reality of what we face and then go revisit our controls, right? Like, what a great way to do it. You know, what what are we actually up against? Let's not, you know, it's, I know plenty of CISOs who pride themselves on they can rattle off exactly how many controls are in CSF and exactly how many are in SOC two and exactly how many are in CISV eight and exactly how many. You know, I pride myself on not knowing that because the answer to all those questions is too damn many. That's how many controls there are in each of these frameworks. Too many. Um, to your point, nobody can adjust that load. Nobody can. You know, you have to, ultimately, if you're going to get certified, you you have to do it. But how do you do it? it? It's to your point. You don't just approach the business and drop 376 controls on their desk and say, we must do all these things. I mean, that's ultimately what you're really saying. But you come in and go, hey, guys, we need to start tackling the low-hanging fruit. Or let's get the most obvious or the most critical. Or, you know, you have some sort of prioritization schema you approach them with. Otherwise, you're going to fail. Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's even the MVSP, the Minimum Viable Secure Product. Uh, which Google and all these folks can. That's that's about like thirteen controls or whatever. But you know, uh, it it speaks the language, I guess. But but you're right. Like we we don't want to overwhelm folks. Um, so we you know again, it comes back to just being a little more self aware. Uh, you know that person that's always talking, and then like you know they're not aware the person in front of them is like falling asleep, and they're just talking and talking. Like don't be that person. You know, like you know, read the room. Like understand who you're who you're working with, and and and. And also, you know, back to uh, you said attack matrix, like if, if the company has a history of a certain kind of incidents, then you have more uh, to work with there, right? You have some history. You're like, hey, by the way, guys, uh, we, you know, we had to deal with this incident, X, Y, Z incident, whatever. They're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Like, yeah, well, I didn't. So, <laughs> you know, let's take care of this now. OK, so let's prevent this in the future, you know, because, it, you know, the business 
well, sorry, I don't want to say it. I don't want to be blanket, but people will a lot of t- will always want to kick things down the road. And so we have to pick the right time. So All right, we've talked about relationships. We've talked about sort of some sales enablement stuff. Um, and we've talked a little bit about like enabling the customer service crowd. So what other customer facing activities can we get into to be the business as the CISOs, right? Like like not just sales. Like you know, obviously they're worried about security. They bring you in, you, you talk security. I've I can't tell you how many times I've met with the other CISO. We've done that immediately get to a high bod rate. Okay, cool. We're cool. We're cool. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, the yeah. deal, and the deal is done because the two CISOs got together. Yeah. What about non-sales? <laughs> how do we, how yeah. do we further the mission of the business in a non-sales and yet still customer facing role? Are we talking about speaking to product security after that? Cause I've done lots of that, but that was back when I wore a product security hat more than when I wore the CISO hat. Like what else is there for customer facing for a CISO to be the business? There's marketing, right? So, you know, if your product has some security angle, the field CISO role has been really interesting. I've been, I've been um, looking at that, in, you know, that kind of role and kind of helping companies with the field CISO. And I'm like, everybody needs a field CISO because if you're a security product, you know, there's a lot of good products out there, but people don't know about them. And uh, these founders, a lot, of, you know, they're busy with a lot of things, but they might not have... Um, they're busy with keeping the company going, right? So if they have the bandwidth to, to be out there, that's fine. But, uh, you know, marketing is another way the CISO could get involved if you're a security, if your product has a security component. Um, even just doing like a guest, you know, just, uh, you know, five, six episodes uh, on, with your own marketing or like going out there and talking about how your product has a security component. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the availability piece is definitely one to to drill in on there. And that's that's sort of sidekicking with engineering to to go in front of the customers, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times, as you know, like security folks, we have to know like, a, a, I don't want to say even a little bit of everything. Like we have to know a lot about a lot of things, right? So uh, we may have some perspectives uh, on availability, on engineering topics that, oh, and one example is like people doing a lot of uh, just front door, knocking on the front door of the application and just kind of, you know, brute forcing uh, password stuffing and things like that. Um, so they may, you know, the, the engineering team may not notice that password stuffing is actually happening. And uh, you're like, oh, there's all this traffic. We're having a lot of bots. But you take a closer look and you see that it's a password stuffing attack. Okay, well, you know, let's tune our Cloudflare. Let's tune, you know, our CDN to, you know, pull that out. And then let's add, you know, something to the password auth flow to reduce that in the future, things like that. That's, that's perfect. That's perfect. And, you know, you talk about CIA triad, right? Like we have confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Our take on availability to your point is not the same thing as an engineer's take on availability. Very often they're talking uptime and we're talking about sensitive data. And, and there's an intersection of those two that, that, that is, it's a vital conversation. And I think every CISO should be talking to their engineering shop. For sure. Um, and I think that kind of opens up that door right there to that conversation. Yeah. And there's even high availability, right? So, you know, engineering may be focused on availability, but not understand that like it's outside their region. You know, their 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 idea of like, oh, well, we have multiple zones in, in one region. We're, we're good. I'm like, uh, no, you need to have, you know, multi-region. Your app needs to be, you know, reliant on more than one region because... Regions go down. Like, that's the thing. We've seen U.S. East go down yeah. more than once for more than one cloud provider. Let's just put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yep, um, yep, I've yep. had plenty of mm-hmm. bad afternoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Where'd the internet go? What happened to the internet? Yeah. It's, yep. Well, it fall down, go boom. Or something, so. um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So I think we've covered the topics I wanted to cover. Um, and I think, you know, for my listeners, obviously this has been a very good conversation. You brought a lot of good ideas to the table. I want my listeners to learn more about you. You've got your own podcast. Uh, you've written a book. You've got a newsletter. Like, floor is yours. I, I want to hear more about what your mission is, what your vision is, and what you're doing for the cyber community. No, I appreciate it, man. You asked some really good questions. So I love I love challenging questions. And, you know, it kind of kind of keeps me in the game. So I love it. So thank you for that. Um yeah, you know, my, my mission is to make cybersecurity expertise accessible to more people and organizations. So I've, uh, I, I have this, you know, desire just to share everything I know out there and, you know, obviously keep learning. So, yeah, you can find me on everything uh, out there is Coffee with Amon. So on Twitter, uh, Coffee with Amon or uh, coffeewithamon.com. Yep. So, and that's A-Y-M-A-N. Yes, yes. A-Y-M-A-N. Coffee uh, with Amon. A-Y-M-A-N. So... Uh, yeah, I have a newsletter. Um, I have some courses now. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully a second book, you know, so just, just trying to stay focused. So, but it's really fun. It's really giving fun. Giving back to the it's community. Really fun. I try, you know, I think because, you know, people say there's a cybersecurity shortage. I'm like, well, not really. You're just not looking in the right places, you know? Um, people say that, you know, why are there so many uh, hacks? Well, you know, there's a big, there's a lot of complacency out there. So I'm trying to like fight that complacency, right? I'm trying to like get people to think differently, right? So, you know, it's a, there's a, it's just a fight on, on many angles, you know, so. My, 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 my favorite thing to fight in any organization, small or large, is the but we've always. Every time mm-hmm. I hear but we've oh always, that's God. almost always an indicator that bad security is afoot. <laughs> but yeah. we've always had yeah. our passwords on sticky notes, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I face, I, I see a lot is, um, you know, j- just uh, non-security people having a bad time with security yes. folks. And then that ruins it. That's on us. Else. That is on right. us to, to not be that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm trying to show people, hey, security, this is this is what a security person could look like. They're, you know, they're, they could be approachable. They can, you know, talk, speak your language, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think we need more of that. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. We do. And Eamon, thank you so much for giving us that. Um, (laughs) that's, that's good stuff. You brought, you brought great answers to the questions as, as always. Um, you know, uh, I I throw some challenging ones out there for my guests and you rose to the challenge. So this is good stuff. Awesome. Uh, So Eamon Osawa, um, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Yeah. Thanks Alan. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Thank you listeners. Y'all be good now.